Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition, a delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. In today's episode, we're going to be talking to a woman we are big fans of on the podcast, the inimitable Sinead O'Connor. Like all of us, Sinead is on lockdown and she has had several gigs cancelled during this period, including Glastonbury, which is no longer happening. And I spoke to her yesterday on Mother's Day and she told me how she is getting on. We'll also continue our series of talking to older women during this time. And we have former racing driver Rosemary Smith talking to us about her lockdown life. But before all that, I've been bringing you a bit of pandemic poetry each episode and I found this one doing the rounds. It's by Spike Milligan and it's about smiling. Smiling is infectious. You catch it like the flu. When someone smiled at me today, I started smiling too. I walked around the corner and someone saw me grin. When he smiled, I realised... I had passed it on to him. I thought about the smile and then realised its worth. A single smile like mine could travel round the earth. So if you feel a smile begin, don't leave it undetected. Start an epidemic and get the world infected. So that's by the great Spike Milligan. But we've also been asking our listeners to send us in their pandemic poetry. And we have one here to kick it off by the brilliant Taryn Devere. And she says, it's very silly poetry by me, but I really like this one. So here we go. Love in the time of COVID-19. I want to hold your hand. But how can I be assured you've washed them the required 20 seconds with soap and hot water? I want to touch your body, but what if you've come into contact with an infected surface on which the virus can survive for five whole days? I want to be close to you, breathe in the smell of you, but I'm practising maintaining social distancing I want to kiss you, but I'm not supposed to touch my own mouth, so I'm not sure about yours. I want to have sex with you, but it's unclear if you've been vigilant in observing the required respiratory hygiene. Sometimes romance means self-isolation for a minimum of 14 days. Though what would really turn me on is a doctor's letter to prove you are COVID-free. Thanks very much to Taryn Devere there for sending us that in. And you can send your pandemic poetry to the women's podcast at irishtimes.com. My co-presenter Cathy Sheridan is at home in Kildare and she spoke to me yesterday too about the latest coronavirus news and how she's getting on in splendid isolation. Cathy, this is the first time that we've spoken since we all went into lockdown. How are you getting on? Well... It's actually, it's a little bit sad, Roisin, and, but actually the funny thing is, we're, I, I think we really have hit a new norm in, in odd ways, um, but I am in the house here with my daughter Mary-Kate, and I, that is a blessing, uh, she's been with here from the very beginning, we feel pretty safe, she does the shopping, uh, she gets in and out very quickly, Supervalue and Selbridge have now uh, established a, a social distancing system, which I think makes everybody feel a lot safer. Uh, but I go for walks along the canal, which is crammed these days. You could have gone down there a few weeks ago and you might have seen three people and four dogs. But now all those walks, as far as I can gather, are absolutely crammed with people, which is actually a very positive sign when you think about it. People are availing of the fresh air and getting out there. 
But there is a sadness about it, to be honest. I mean, I hugged Mary Kate this morning and I was missing my other daughter, um, who is elsewhere. Um, and I think a lot of people would be feeling that um, around Mother's Day. Yeah, I should have wished you Happy Mother's Day, Cathy, as well. Did you get breakfast I in did, bed? And a big bowl of daffodils. And uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. They, they, those lovely little practices and traditions uh, have continued here. Uh, but it's 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 terribly weird, and I'm also surrounded here by Sunday papers and uh, all those those headlines, which we all should know something about. Reading the new figures, which are not disastrous, but we have no way of getting a pattern from them yet. But I think this week is going to be extremely significant, Roisin, by the looks of it. Um, the HSE Paul Reid has on Twitter this week is a very significant and huge week in the history of the healthcare system in Ireland. We can save lives by our actions this week. So I, I, I sense that this week is going to be a big one in terms of how we have managed this up to now and in terms of how much responsibility personally that we show over the next while. There's also the economic aspect which rumbles on alongside the health one, isn't there? Because I was just reading that it's so far, it's 140,000 people have lost their jobs. And uh, Tony Foley of DCU is saying that it could be up to 300,000 by the end of this, which is just astounding. It could isn't it? be, Roisin, and I, I, indeed, I know several of them. And yeah. um, the only good news, I suppose, weirdly came out of the UK this week when, and I mean, it was in on the heels of other countries in Northern Europe, but nonetheless, that 80% of salary, I thought must have been a huge boost for people who are not just facing uh, quarantine at home or self-isolation, but also facing inability to pay the rent or just couldn't see a way out of this. So I think that 80% guarantee to employees is a huge one. And I think Ireland is about to do something similar, maybe 75%. And I think that would be enormously positive and encouraging and would give us a sense of hope that we ha- we're going to come out of this. Of course we are. But the landscape that we meet when we come out of it is going to be determined by how we behave now and how the state behaves and how, 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 how we behave globally. And whether we decide this world is worth rescuing, both morally and mentally and economically and all of those things, because they're all bound up. We've always said this, the economy, it's not just the economy, it's about society. And this is, the rubber is hitting the road now. We're about to find out whether or not we are a society and whether we truly are a globalist community. Yeah. How are you getting through in terms of mental health wise, Cathy? Is there anything you're finding useful, whether it's books or music or anything like that? Well, I'm actually very good at distracting myself. But I will tell you, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I've discovered in the last <laughs> few weeks. <laughs> and I have binged watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> to be honest, it's like a little, a little Pavlovian thing now. When I hear something awful or I feel a bit sad, I have loads of episodes saved on the TV. And I switch one of them on. And truly, it does lift me out of whatever bit of despair I was in. Um, I'm reading a lot. I am catching up. But also, Roshan, as you know, for a lot of people, work is going on. You know, I know people who are working remotely who are actually working harder than they ever did in the office. I know know, young people who are working for tech firms who actually haven't time to eat lunch. And I think there is something there that we could all look at, maybe not right now. But there are people, as we know, like yourself, who are working from home with children who are trying to sort of structure their day, structure your own day, mind those children, protect them from all the horror that they're hearing, and at the same time hold down your job. And, you know, in many ways, that's going on. And I suppose there are two sides to that. You know, there's a negative and a positive side to it. But there must be a really negative side for those who have no work at this time and who are left with their thoughts. And and I really, really feel for those people. You know, you and I are distracted by the daily run of the news. We're obliged to stay in touch with what's going on. And that, in many senses, is a, it's, it's a good discipline. It's depressing because you can't really switch off, but it's also a good thing in that it keeps us, it keeps us focused um, and doesn't allow us to go too far down that bloody rabbit hole. But I, I, the, other, the bad thing that's happened to me is that I've become a bit addicted to Twitter. 
Twitter is a blessing and a curse. I follow some really great people on Twitter whom I have a total belief and respect for. Uh, but there are some, I think what I'm really beginning to to get upset about are those people who are insistently negative and who are knocking down every effort by every politician. No politician can do right in their lives. And I just think it's the wrong time. A time is coming when we will absolutely need to discuss the system and capitalism and all of those things. But in a sense, at the moment, that's that's almost divisive. It's 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 forcing people to separate into groups or to take positions when really I, I sense that for our mental health, we need to be just concentrating on solutions, on helping one another through this. You know, should we wear masks? No. But plenty of people will step in and then tell you, oh, yeah, we should, because why are medical people wearing them then? And you, you go down this rabbit hole of, of negativity and people complaining about not getting the right information. I mean, I don't think there's a country in the world that has not made a mistake. I mean, China's being lauded now for bringing, coming through this with immense success. But China started off shamefully by covering stuff up. Um, you know, so there's no country that is a model when it comes to this. And yeah. of course, we've made mistakes. But I think I think negativity actually really everybody needs to look at themselves who's going into that particular area. Yeah. And it's a sort of uh, connected to that is uh, something I did myself, which I realised is not helpful. I mean, I don't know if you're on any WhatsApp groups at the moment. I know we're going to talk about phone conversations and how the phone conversation is back, which is really interesting. But um, when I'm on a few WhatsApp groups and there's a lot, a lot of memes, you know, these uh, hilarious and I put them in inverted commas, memes and gifs and all that kind of thing. And I was kind of mildly giving out about them on Twitter and saying, God, there's so many of them. Where are they all coming from? And somebody pointed out to me that they're they were sending them to their elderly father and they were cheering him up and I thought to myself you know exactly why am I snarking about what whatever is getting people through whether it's stupid jokes or whatever it is it doesn't matter like I think we can't be judgmental about anybody's um coping mechanisms or things that are helping them so that was uh that chastened me I have to say well Funnily enough, Roisin, if we'd had this chat a few days ago, I would absolutely have shared your view. They seem to clog up the conversations, but you can just bypass them. We don't have to look at them. And I have a, I have a dear friend who exactly. sends me lots of them. Yeah. And at times they irritate me because I think, no, I want to actually hear how she is. Uh, and is she using this as some kind of displacement for conversation? <laughs> um, and then I think, oh, hell, that was funny, you know, and, and, and get over yeah. yourself. That's what I'm sort of feeling. Get over yourself. I think we have to do a lot of that. But listen, just before you go, Cathy, um, I know and I'm having the same experience. We are all talking more to each other um, and using the technology that's available. And that's been something really interesting. I don't think I've had as many phone chats with people in like the last year as I have in the last couple of weeks, you know, are you finding that the same? Roisin, I actually cannot believe myself. I really always was a, a, a preacher, an evangelist for the phone simply being a means of transmitting information. I did not really want a long chat on a telephone. And I still feel that way to some extent, except that I have found myself having hour long conversations with my sisters, with friends of mine. I mean, hour long. And it's gone beyond that because I have, whereas before anybody had tried to FaceTime me or Skype me on, on, on uh, video, I absolutely would put the phone down on them immediately. And they would have to ring me back and say what happened there. But now I am actually video Skyping people, if that's the word. Uh, <laughs> and I want to look into their eyes, especially my daughter, who's not in the house. Um, yeah. And I just I, I think now I need to see what people look like and how, how they're looking. Whereas do you remember maybe 10 years ago, if you Skyped someone, they looked ill. Yeah, they looked grey and they had a terrible pallor and it would do anything but cheer you up. Whereas now I realize these videos are kind of movie quality now. Yeah. And you can see what somebody is looking like. And <laughs> I, mean, I wanted to do this this video with you and, and we, we, we couldn't oh, no. reason. Uh, but there you are. I don't know whether you're still under the duvet. Uh, I know I am doing this from my bed. I am completely dressed up and made up. And you'd be amazed how marvellous <laughs> I look here. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I wish I could see you. Oh, right. No, you don't. You, re you really don't. <laughs> but nor does anyone who's, who's, who's listening to this. 
but it is. I have the dog in the bed with me, and the sun is shining, and I can see cattle in the field, and and actually the golden pheasant walks across the the, the garden where I can see it regularly. And there is so much going on out there. You know what? In terms of of, of timing, nature yes. timing. This is actually when the, when the earth is, is 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 alive and things are beginning to burst into bloom or life or whatever. And I think a lot of people will notice things this year that they possibly never paid much attention to before. Kathy, I couldn't agree with you more. I am not the world's best nature observer, but I tell you now, I'm on WhatsApp talking to my friends who are very good about birds and things like that and asking them, look, what is this? What are these geese that I saw flying over the Clontarf there the other day? And I'm looking at the birds in the chimneys and I, I'm looking at the even the just the spring flowers in Fairview Park and just thinking, are they always there? Is it always that much of an abundance of colour? You know, it's like you're seeing everything through new eyes because because you want a distraction and and you want anything that contrasts with this you know horrible situation that we're enduring and it is if imagine if it was winter somebody was saying to me the other day oh my goodness how much more horrible would it be then so we're we should be grateful and that we're in this beautiful sort of time of abundance that's happening now absolutely i think that is the one area where we've hit lucky that, that, that the timing really could be an awful lot worse. And, and it's also, I think, and, and this is not an original thought, I'm sorry to say, but it really has made us aware of the fragility of the earth and how utterly beautiful it is and how so easily we can wreck it if we don't mend our ways. When we come out of this, we, you know, we, we, we have to survive this and we have to survive it as a society and as a community and as families. And I know a lot of people are finding it hard. Did you ever see so many articles about uh, uh, couples written by one of the couple saying how, how the other person can't stand the, the way she's breathing? You know, the, the, sort of, the sort of thing you'd have seen in novels before about people who are unusually honest about their relationships. But I, I think I read two in the Financial Times yesterday. Um, one of them was married to um, the playwright Enda Walsh. Jo Ellison is the name. She's a columnist with the Financial Times. And suddenly she and Enda Walsh, this unbelievable playwright, are sitting across the table from one another. And he's basically saying to her, do you have to talk like that? And, it, 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 it makes, and, and Dennis Staunton's thing the other day where he talked about his visceral loathing of the, of the newsagent down the road and how the newsagent loathes him. You know, there's, there's actually some lovely um, counter-punching to the... It can get a bit overly sweet. Yeah, um, I, I saw a very good tweet today, which was uh, this man saying that he was sat down on the sofa and he saw a very nice young lady there. Um, and it turned out it was his wife. Basically, <laughs> it's because there's no sport. He's the only one who usually is on the sofa watching it. And uh, he, he came across his wife there. So it's kind of it is funny to have those moments. But uh, there is that talk of whatever about how many deaths we're going to have and we're, they are going to rise. There's going to be maybe some Corona divorces as well. I think when people are in confined spaces together uh, and they're not used to being, unfortunately, they might find that they don't like the person and they're realising it. They, they, they might very well find that, Roshan. I think there's a lot of home truths going to, going to be told over the next while. You know, I'd say a lot of people who aren't used to being, to having to say, have you, have you ever seen so many, so many messages about people not realising the work that teachers do? Yeah. Suddenly they realise that actually teaching is not the little doddle they always thought it was. And maybe maybe they deserve their, their holidays. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of stuff like that, you know, and, and fathers and husbands saying, oh, my God, I had no idea um, yeah. what it was like to be here all day, every day. I think there will be a lot of appreciation and good things. Um, but as you say, it is a very sad time. We're actually going to do um, a special on Thursday about um, that aspect of educating your kids while you're also trying to work and do other things at home. So hopefully that will be useful to listeners. But Cathy, have you any final words for us from your bunker in Kildare? My bunker in Kildare, I, I, I actually in many ways feel blessed, Roisin. We have space. We have green fields around us. I don't feel, I don't, I don't feel oppressed or as though I'm locked into something. Uh, but I am very sad. I'm so sad for the people who have lost their jobs and, and some of them shockingly suddenly and unforgivably suddenly in some cases. 
Um, and it's very hard to get that out of my head, to be honest with you. Um, with the rest, you know, will come right. But I think those kind of relationships will have been damaged, you know, between between employees and employers who maybe acted a bit, a bit, a bit abruptly. Uh, so, so th- there is a sadness. But on the whole, I think we're we're doing okay. I really do. I mean, Leo Varadkar's speech the other night, I think, did uh, calm the nation's heart. There was a bit of giving out about it on the side, but I think in general, he, he got the tone right. Um, so as long as I feel that we're not in Trump's America and we're not having to listen to Boris Johnson, I think we're doing OK. Yeah, I have to agree. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else at the moment, even in these very trying circumstances. You kind of really do appreciate where you are and what you have. Um, OK, I wish you all the best, Cathy. We'll speak soon, I hope. And uh, keep up your observations so that you can kind of we'll do you can give us a bit of a Corona diary as we go along <laughs> through it. <laughs> well, this week is important. So I think this is uh, by the time we talk again, Roshan, I think we'll have seen yeah. a lot of a lot of the, 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 the dread we've been feeling will have come to the surface in terms of numbers and everything. But hopefully they'll be lower than expected. OK, Cathy Sheridan, thank you very much. Roshan, good luck. Thanks very much to Cathy. Now, we've been talking to older women about how they're coping with corona and lockdown. And last week I gave Rosemary Smith a call. She's 82 and she's very stoic and upbeat about the experience. Here she is, former racing driver Rosemary Smith. Well, (laughs) I don't mind it at all, to be very honest with you, purely because I'm... uh, My father and I were very similar in as much that... I don't mind being on my own. It doesn't worry me in the slightest. There's always something to do. I mean, I I don't have to have people around me even in the best of times. So this, I mean, I know it's very odd times and I really feel dreadfully sorry for people who need people around them, but they don't have them. But, you know, what we've decided to do here, I live in a, a small area with a lovely big green out in front of me and lovely trees and all the rest of it. So they put out a thing on, I think it was Facebook or one of these things, saying that at 6.30 each evening, we go out to the front gardens, the quite small front gardens, and we sit on stools and we have a bottle of wine on the wall and we have our glasses and we drink from half six to half seven. And we now have a lot of the people in this area doing the same for us, you know, with us. And they either sit on the footpath or as long as they're, you know, sort of two metres away or six feet or whatever it is. And now the people around here have decided over the weekend they're going to do it on the green. They're going to bring their little camping chairs and possibly tables and just talk to people. Because, you know, when you get into a neighbourhood, a lot of neighbourhoods, people don't talk to each other very much. And I just find that this is... It's a great opportunity, and I hope when all this horrible epidemic is over, that people will keep on doing what they're doing now. I've had people leave flowers on my doorstep. I've had usually bottles of wine drop in saying, we know that you like red wine, you know, this type of thing. So I get up in the morning, not early, I can tell you, and I come down. My house is cleaner than I think it has been for the last 10 years. And the garden's done. I spent the day out in the garden. Luckily, it was fine. The weather's very fine. And uh, mowed the grass and trimmed the hedge and planted some new flowers, nice bit of colour. And then I did the ironing because the ironing was piled on a chair that went right to the ceiling, practically. <laughs> 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 I, 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 I just really, I, I don't mind it. You know, it's... it's well, just, something I just hope that it doesn't take too many people but I do wish that the younger people would realise that they're in just as much now I mean a lot of them wouldn't die but they are in the same sort of thing, they can get this virus, they can also carry it which it hasn't come home to them yet, it just hasn't they haven't realised that it's Mm. something that you know they can get and then they can go back and uh, they go into their houses. Now, my next-door neighbour here, she's an absolute darling, and uh, she has two young, comparatively young children. They're 21 and 17. But no, they're going out with all their pals. And I said, Deborah, please, you know, they yeah. shouldn't be doing that. Tell me um, more about... So it's OK now you can go out and do your wine thing, but what about when they start this cocooning phase 
where you can't, they tell you you can't go out. Well, how are you going to feel then? Uh, well, I know they're saying about cocoon and all this sort of carry on, but I mean, it's the only time I do go out. And uh, it's just literally, the, you see, they, they are saying also, because with older people, that we must get some exercise. So I can still go for a walk. I have a face mask and I've got gloves and I've got all these things. So I don't think I'll be absolutely cocooned. I really don't think so. I think we've got to get out and take some exercise. What if the government say, by order of the government, that older people have to stay indoors? If they do that, I'll do that. I'll get the papers delivered every day. And I'll, uh, you know, just, that could be it. And the story, mm. and I'll read the newspapers from cover to cover, and I have a few books here, so I'll read them. No, it's not really worrying me, Roshi. This is, you know, and, and I suppose from being locked up in cars for days on end, you know, when we were doing our long distance rallies and that sort of thing, you know, that was sort of in itself isolating <laughs> because, you know, we, I mean, we never spoke in the car, basically. So it's the same to hear if I don't. I mean, I can speak to people on the telephone all the time, and they've been great, and people have been dropping on, you know, my bottles of wine, <laughs> and all this sort of carry on, and flowers, loads of flowers. I mean, they've been really very, very good. So I, I'm, I'm not worried. I mean, I'm not one of these people that has to have company all the time, which I'm very glad about. Are you worried for your health? Are you worried that you might get it, and what would happen then? I suppose everybody's a bit worried about that. You know, everybody. But, it, you know, if I get it, if I'm in the high-risk area because of my heart stents and that type of thing. Because of your heart what? Tell me. I, I've got heart stents. I have six heart stents. So, you know, I, I'm in the, the high-risk area. So, no, no, I do what I'm told. I, I don't mind that. It, it, it's, it's not one of these things that I'm thinking, oh, what will I do? What will I do? No, it doesn't worry me in the slightest, to be very honest with you. Okay, and how old are you, Rosemary? 82. Yeah, no, it's gas, isn't it? And what about your friends of similar ages, Rosemary? Like, are are they worried, and are you worried about them? Well, you see, my friends vary in age from, uh, well, my next-door neighbour, who's a darling, and I say, Deborah, she's uh, only 50, and uh, then the goal, 60s, 70s, my cousin's 80, you know, and, and most of the people, they're all in and around. But the great thing, the one great thing about getting old is that it, it sort of levels out age. You know, I mean, it's not years ago, like if somebody was even five years older than you, they were old people. But so now it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah. I'm friends right across the spectrum, and it doesn't matter one damn, as far as I'm concerned. You know, that's just it. And... <laughs> Oh, I'm just looking at my lovely bottles of wine. I've just arrived from the supermarket. Except <laughs> they sent the wrong ones. They sent Chardonnay. I said, I want Cabernet Sauvignon. And they sent Chardonnay. Oh, dear God, I have to get on to them again now. Oh, she's had to keep me going for another 10 minutes. So, you know, I, I won't be getting bored. Actually, I'm looking, I'm looking at my carpet here because it's a pale form sort of yuck. But... You know, it's dirty so quickly. So I'll get my vanish out now and I can start scrubbing that. Yeah, that's another There's always thing something to, to do. Uh, yeah, exactly. Threshold, I think, um, as I say, most of the ironing is done. I've just put on another wash. Oh, dear, I'm exhausted from all this hard work. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Rosemary, thank you very much for talking to me. I really appreciate it. And take care of yourself, okay? The Irish Times Women's Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition. Sumptuously smooth, dark chocolate. That was Rosemary Smith there and a big thank you to her and all our older listeners. Now, life is very funny, isn't it? Last Friday night, I was on Zoom with my friends who I have these regular singing nights with and we were singing Black Boys on Mopeds together. And a couple of days later, the person who wrote that very special song, Sinead O'Connor, said she'd be delighted to come on the podcast to talk about how she's getting on at the moment. 
The music legend spoke to me from the cabin in the back of her garden, where she's self-isolating with some members of her family, including two grandchildren. We had a great chat where I got to personally thank her for inspiring me to tell the story of my abortion and also to hear her thoughts on everything from her spiritual life to what music is getting her through lockdown. Here she is, the brilliant Sinead O'Connor. Thank you very much for coming on the Women's Podcast. Uh, it's a great pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Describe your situation, where you are, where you're sitting, what's going on for you at the moment. I am at home in Bray. I am um, with my eldest son, Jake, who's 32, and his girlfriend, Leah, and their children, which is Louis and Naima, and they're four and one. And I'm also with my 16-year-old son, Shane. And myself and Shane are kind of on isolation because we were fine. We've no symptoms and we're fine, but we had a few, a bit of a cold. So they just want to check us. So we're kind of self-isolating, which is nice because we actually get on well. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I'm got, beginning to go a bit out of my mind with boredom. So right. But sure yeah, so I'm beginning, but I'm I'm trying to focus on writing songs and folk, use the time where the shows have all been cancelled to to um, what do you call it? Write songs and make an album instead. But um, my suitcase is full of pretty dresses I was going to wear on tour, and I'm like, <laughs> oh no, I don't know, I can't wear them anywhere. What kind of music are you making? Because I saw somewhere that you're interested in talking to younger people at the moment through your music. Uh, well, there was one one song in particular, um, which was which was a, a demo of which I put out a few days ago just for fun. Um, but it, it it's kind of a letter to teenagers. It's supposed to be a mother singing. Thank God it's not autobiographical, but it's a, um, a, a mother talking about a teenager who hasn't come home. You know. And have you had any treats for Mother's Day today? I did have some flowers, which is a miracle because I don't know how my son got them into the house without anyone seeing them. You know. So that was very nice, yeah. Are you glad to be locked down in Ireland? Because I suppose it could have been different, like you could have been somewhere else. Yeah, I think I would really, uh, I was very anxious. I was in America up until, I was. I went there like last Thursday and we were supposed to start shows on Saturday and the, the show was pulled at the very last minute. We were about to sound check and it was pulled. So we left on Sunday and I was really glad because I was really panicking about the whole thing anyway, but definitely about being trapped over there and not being with my kids. Do you know, like, because two of my kids are younger, you know, 16 and 13, you know, and it's it's mm -hmm. quite nerve wracking for the, for the young ones, you know, especially my 13 year old would have been quite anxious, you know. So do you have a lot of people are talking about a routine, like and keeping making sure that there's kind of purpose in the day and stuff. Are you finding yeah. that? Well, we're just really, I, I, we're really enjoying just hanging out with each other. It's really nice to be trapped together, <laughs> you know, and I, like I'm especially enjoying getting to hang out with my 16 year old as much as I am and, and to hang out with my grandchildren. And and even, of course, my son and his girlfriend, we, luckily we all get on very well. We're really enjoying ourselves and they're making it a project to kind of fix up my garden. You know? No good. So um, I'm just, I suppose my purpose at the moment is being a mom and a grandmom and I'm really enjoying that you know I'm a bit frustrated as well because I'm used to working as well and I'm definitely the type of person who doesn't find it easy to sit and do nothing you know but I'm I, I guess I, I could be doing something if I really wanted to I'm just lazy yeah <laughs> I'm very tired to be honest I'm really yeah. tired because because we went to America and then came back and everything so I'm, I'm too old for the shit you know so. um, what sort of a grandmother are you like how would you characterize yourself well they call they call me dodo and grandmother, I say, um, I'd say I'm I'm the kind which I probably shouldn't say because I get in trouble. I'm the kind that would let them do stuff that they're not supposed to be allowed to do. You know, right? Like, Tell me more. Well, I hope that I'm like my own granny who I adored, and she what she would do was if my parents dropped me to her to stay, they would give her a big list of everything I wasn't allowed to have. You know, whatever in those days it was salt or chewing gum or whatever. And she would agree that, of course, she wouldn't give me any of it. But as soon as they were gone, she'd pull out a tray full of everything that they had just listed, you know. I, I guess I, I'm, I'm that kind of granny. I just had the funniest conversation with my grandson, who's only four. But he, he said to me, we found 50 cent. And he said to me, um, will you go to the store and you buy some of those jelly sweets and you keep them in your bedroom and we won't tell mum and dad, you know. And then, he, and then he whispered it in my ear. He went, will you buy sweets and put them everywhere? <laughs> so, you know, it was, it was funny. 
I like it. So you're the kind of libertarian uh, grandmother. I guess, yeah. I wouldn't be the strictest mother either, you know. Um, this is very off topic from what we're talking about, and it's not Corona related, but I'm so glad to speak to you because during the um, repeal referendum, you know, I thought a lot about you and actually uh, you were really crucial to me in, in telling my story, actually, about having had an abortion. Because right. uh, when I, I was at a, I was at a party and I was having this time of reflecting, like, do I want to do it? Because my mum was saying to me, you know, it could be, it could really backlash against you and it could be terrible. And a friend of mine sat me down and said, you know, go and look at Sinead um, at that gig in, in New York, the Bob Dylan tribute show and and how you stood there, you know, so beautifully defined and didn't allow those horrible people to shout you down. You know, you still spoke yeah. to and it, And it was amazing. I did go home and I watched it. And it just gave me this courage. But also then I was reflecting on the fact that you were talking about having had to needed an abortion so much before yeah. anybody was, you know. And I just wanted to say thank you for that, actually, now that I have the opportunity, because... You well, know, you see, I, I, I remember Anne Lovett. Do you remember Anne Lovett? Yeah, I don't remember I, I it as still, a... As, I still I, have a T-shirt that says remember Anne Lovett. I remember Anne Lovett. That's the thing. That That's my motto about all this. Remember Anne Lovett. That's why when I don't know if you saw Rosita Boland's incredible piece where she got to talk to Anne Lovett's boyfriend just around the time of the referendum. I didn't know. Well. I didn't know. But but Rosita Boland, my colleague, wrote this incredible um, article, and it was around the same time as the referendum. And I was really glad that it brought Anne back into focus into yeah, people's minds, of course, because it was also connected. Yeah, and then of course there was the X case. You know, yeah. which is, that was that was the the trigger really for for me. Anyway, was the X case. You know. The idea that you, your freedom to travel could be limited and a child could be forced to, you know, have a child and blah, blah, you know, it's just appalling, the whole thing. But I also mean, like today, I hope people realise it. When you spoke about having had abortions, like in interviews and things, yeah. that was unheard of. Like, it, you, I think you were the only woman who, who, who did that. And I mean, you know, the way I feel about it is, you know... There's no such thing as pro-abortion. I don't think anybody, even who's had an abortion, no. feels good about it. It's it's shit. You feel shit, and it's shit. But you know what? A, a woman knows when it's right and when it's not right. And I know this may sound awful, and I kind of don't care if it does. But like people do it to animal, people do it to animals without even asking them. An animal have more rights than women, you know, which is the point I was trying to make in that song, Milestones, you know, about women have less rights than dogs. I mean, animals have a right to a, a, a respectful death, a pain-free death, uh, as much as they, you know, and on the and conversely, people take babies out of animals without even asking them, but a, a woman can't decide, you know. In my case, you know, I, I don't feel good about the fact I had abortion. I feel I was very irresponsible. I should have been much more careful. And what I should have been careful about was who am I getting into bed with? And then I should have been careful of contraception. But I feel like, you know, for me, it was that the the, the particular fathers of those children were, were not father material and were certainly not, you know, what do you call it? They were They were bad choices as much as I was a bad choice. You know, and there wasn't, you know, one of these men, for example, was pushing me around. I didn't want to be in a relationship having to parent a child with a man who perhaps might be pushing the child around to, you know. But, you know, I the way I feel about it, it's between me and God that, you know, if I have something to answer for, I'll answer to God about it. But I don't have to answer to anybody else about it. And it's ridiculous that, as I say, animals seem to have more rights than, than women. It must have been, um, I, I suppose you were, like all of us, like uh, many of us celebrating when it when it went through, when the, the eighth went from the Constitution, when we had that day. Yeah, well, I felt I felt relieved, particularly in in the light of the fact that one of one of the triggers, of course, was this poor lady who 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 died because they wouldn't help her, you know. Um, Savita. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And in light of people in those circumstances, you know, because there are circumstances. I mean, obviously, look, abortion should not be used as contraception, you know, but you know there are cases absolutely where somebody's going to die. And or the baby's going to die, you know, if they don't have access to safe abortion and they shouldn't have to leave their country and go. So it's a very traumatizing thing. It's also very traumatizing for the fathers and people don't often talk about that. And fathers don't get a say in the matter often, you know, it's very, very painful for a man, you know. So I don't know, the whole thing needs to be a lot more love and uh, around it, you know, because nobody does such a thing, you know, without serious thought or consequences, you know. 
but I suppose and, uh, it is just uh, just to say thank you to you, but not just for that, just generally, like over your lifetime, you have um, spoken the truth as, you, as you've seen it. You know, when, when lots of people didn't want to hear about things, say, to do with the church and abuse and things. I hope you feel now like that people appreciate that more, even though. Uh, yeah, I, I, I do, but it didn't it never mattered to me. If they didn't, because the way I feel is an artist's job is to, I mean, when I grew up, we learned history and how we learned about 1916 was they spent the first year teaching us about the poets and the playwrights and all that. And what you learned was the power of art and what, I mean, there were riots in the streets over, over plays. In Ireland, you know, and and so there should be, you know. So like, what we learned was an artist is somebody who creates conversation where conversation is needed and gets the fuck out of the way quick because you know it's none of my business what anyone thinks of me. You understand? And even if you get people angry, that's good. They're up out of their chairs and they're they're talking about it. Better to be angrily talking about it than not at all, you know. So it never bothered me really. But I did shed a little tear um over the Time magazine thing. You know, because yes. that, that, that was very nice. Because you know, I don't mind at all, but definitely I got blacklisted career wise. And I don't mind because that turned me into a great live performer. Um because I had to make my money that way. But I've been shitting in alleys and pissing in alleys on tour ever since. And that's fine. But that was the first thing I thought when the time thing came out. I was like, okay, all this pissing in alleys and shitting in bags has been worth it, you know. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah. So uh, what I really appreciate lately is since I did the Late Late Show, I guess, with the with the nothing compared to you thing and everything that there's that I appreciate there's such a lot a lot of love for me coming back after being a total fucking car crash and there's no reason for anyone to fucking want to contemplate me because <laughs> I was a crazy bitch and I wasn't always right in everything I said or did I was a crazy bitch so I really appreciate that people just love music and they don't really you know as as long as you're making music they're happy they you know they like to see you surviving and getting up but that's what we do Irish people isn't it so. I mean obviously this is very difficult for so many people at the moment because you've got people at the front line in the health services you've got older people you know terrified living on their own and, and then you've got people, people with mental people health conditions yeah. yeah and I'm thinking about all the people with mental health conditions who are stuck at home as well you know have you any thoughts and advice about that kind of thing and dealing with that? Um, well, I guess I, I, I find it, I guess, as difficult as everyone else does because I'm no different to everyone else. I'm lucky I have some savings because I worked last year, but I pretty much lost the income for this year. Um, but again, I'm not in the same boat as a lot of people in that I have some savings. Um, but I definitely, I've, I probably feel as frustrated and bored and everything. I don't know that I'd be in a position to advise anyone. What I've been advising my uh, my daughter and certain friends is to kind of, I'd be the same, I guess. You know, when you're the kind of person who you have to be doing, doing, doing all the time, busy, 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 you know, not comfortable unless you're doing something. Oh. Maybe this is a good time to, to learn to sit and do nothing, to just appreciate, listen to the birds. And I had to say to my daughter um you know uh, i have a friend years ago she she was a workaholic and she went to therapy for it and the first thing the woman asked her to do was she had to go home every day and sit for 15 minutes just looking at a raisin in her hand and it drove her crazy but it worked so i've been saying to my daughter do the same thing to just do you know what i was saying to my daughter is there, there'll come a time when this is all over and we'll all be back to working our arses off and you know we'll have to be working extra hard which we're well capable of doing to rebuild and we'd be wishing that we had time to sit doing nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. But I do feel it's much more difficult for people who are stuck on their own or perhaps stuck with someone they don't like very much. So I'm, again, I'm lucky. I feel uncomfortable always kind of preaching to people because, again, I'm lucky I'm here with my lovely family and, you know, I, I don't have to work and, you know, I'm not too worried. I, I'm worried for my loved ones who've lost jobs. I have two children in the catering industry who've lost their jobs. And, you know stuff like that so but I don't know I guess yeah maybe it's a good chance to learn to sit and do nothing I mean I heard a beautiful thing you know in um China when they close they've closed down the factories people can hear birds now they haven't heard them for years you know and the fish have come back the fish have come back into the canals and I know it's very encouraging that's encouraging you know so I don't know I hope to god we might learn something from it but I'm not so sure whether we're 
capable of, you know, everyone thought the world would change when Princess Diana died because people started saying hello to each other in the streets of England, but they stopped pretty quickly, <laughs> you know. Um, listen, you were, your daughter was putting you on first dates, I heard. Is that still? Well, yeah, me and my daughter cooked it up and um, they did ring me back. So, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely considering it. I mean, I, I pity the poor man that it would walk into a room and fucking have to deal with me. Cause imagine if he Googled me. I'm thinking I'll never get a date because if anybody Googles me, they'll just up come crazy bits and the, it'll, the computer will fucking explode. Uh, you know, I bet you'll never see a man back out of a room so quick. Well, I told you before, my brother would love a date with you. So, you know, if you really if you really get desperate, there's somebody there when he's playing well, his pride. Poor, he's a lovely poor man. bastard. He better, he better Google me first. You know, what age is he anyway? What age is your he's, brother he's, at? I have an age limit. Oh, okay. He's, <laughs> he's 53, 54. Oh, that's perfect. That's perfect. See, my age limit goes to young. I don't go further than perhaps 48. I like it. Yeah, I'm not Madonna, you know. I know the thing is, well, I have a child who's 32, so like it would be like a child. Oh, yeah. Be gross. Absolutely oh. gross. So, yeah, um, 53 is perfect. I'm 53. That's kind of perfect. So, yeah. Because someone like you can't go on a dating app. Like, you just wouldn't be able to. I mean, well, I, I have done, but unless you're a total slut and you want to put out, you're not getting any responses, you know. So, you know, and I, I, I've had a hysterectomy. I'm so like a spade cat. I'm not remotely bloody interested. My market is guys who actually can't get an erection, for, even with Viagra. That's my, my, that's my market. I've seen a lot of talk about how this is a good time, people spending time in their houses, and masturbation is something we don't talk about in Ireland a lot, but mm. that this is a time to explore that area, self-love. Yeah, well, and all that every time is a time to explore that area, and I don't think anyone's going to change their behaviour in that in that way. But what is kind of beautiful is that there's going to be loads of um, corona babies. Yes. You know, that's nice. Definitely. But I don't, I don't think anyone's masturbatory habits will be either up or down. Except for perhaps very young people who aren't at school. I think there's there's a rise in people buying certain toys and things to, and being them doing. I, I can believe the porn shops are open. My my son was telling me he was in town the other day, and every every fucker is closed except the porn shops of all the places that should be closed. Oh yeah. God, I didn't know that. Um, you know the way you've spoken before very openly about that. You know, you only live in Ireland because your kids, that your spiritual home is America, that that's where you'd rather be. At the moment, even would you say that, like with what's going on in America? No, I actually no. I mean, I feel I'm torn. I feel both ways. You know, I don't necessarily enjoy living in the in the Republic of Ireland. If I if I uh, my favorite place on earth is Belfast. I would yeah. love to, to live in Belfast. I don't necessarily, I, I, I do enjoy the fact I'm living near my kids, and blah, 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 but there's, I lived in England for 16 years and to come back from London to kind of, you know, such a quiet kind of, and in, in some ways still quite theocratic, you know, in, in its politics and in its everything else is, is a bit, you know, not, it's not, we're not quite 21st century. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, yeah, it's a bit weird, you know. I mean, I do, but, yeah, times like this, definitely you feel different. But I, I wouldn't leave because I wouldn't leave my family and my loved ones, you know. But what I dream of is being rich enough to own a place in America, even a mobile home. That would be nice. Or Belfast. Belfast, I'd, I wish to God I owned a house in Belfast. I'd be up there. What, what is the love for Belfast? Because I, I have to say I agree with you. I love being up there. and I just find mm. it one of the most friendly places that I ever well, go to. Well, weirdly... For me, it's one of the most, it's the most peaceful place that I've ever been. Absolutely <laughs> peaceful. Absolutely the most peaceful place you could possibly be in. And what I like personally about it is as a, as a sufferer of um, complex post-traumatic stress in Ireland, that's a condition that's not very well recognised. And so there's not much treatment for it. But up the north, they obviously, because of what they've been through, so you're fucking falling over in the streets for, with, with PTSD counsellors, you know. So the, the services up there are absolutely incredible. The services for anyone with um, mental health issues and everything are phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I was up there one time and some people got worried about me. As it happened, I was fine. But some people, friends of mine, got a bit worried and they sent the cops around to check on me to see what I was like. Wait till you hear this. The cops asked me, did I want anything in Tesco? They offered to do my shopping in Tesco. I said, no, I was grand. I couldn't fucking believe it. Do you see what I mean? That, that as a as a person with mental health issues, often when you have dealings with the cops, it can be horrible and quite disrespectful. 
these people were phenomenal, you know. So anyway, yeah, it's really a peaceful place, you know, and also the architecture. It's No one ever talked about how beautiful Belfast is. A lot of it is kind of art deco houses and, you know, it's really yeah. beautiful and strangely peaceful and very, uh, the weather is better in the summer. The skies are beautiful. And, you know, yeah. and of course, Belfast people are just phenomenal. And uh, my whole band are from Belfast. Oh. So, uh, yeah. And also my managers live up there, you know, so. Very nice. Um, you are getting waiting for a test for Corona, are you at the moment? Well, yeah, but it's, I'm certain I don't have it. It's just that uh, a routine because I myself and one of my sons did have a bit of a cold the last few weeks. But because we have an extended family member who has diabetes, we're just being extra cautious. So that's um, my youngest son's father, Frank. So my youngest son hasn't been up because we want to be very careful about Frank, you know. And so you're so, just waiting to see when you can get a test. Yeah, we're going to go for one of these drive-through tests, but we're absolutely fine. We've no symptoms and we're fine. It's just that we did have a couple of colds over the last few weeks, but they're gone, you know. So. Sinead, going back on, looking back on your life and career, because how long have you been in the business now? I mean, how many years is it? Since I was 14 and I'm, the first work I ever did was with, there was a band called Intua Nua. Oh, yeah. And they were looking for a singer and they gave me a piece of music when I was 14. And I wrote their first single. And so I'm 53 now. I can't do the maths, but it's since I was 14, 39 years, something like that. But it's a long time. And when you look back, are you the kind of person who looks back and feels proud or thinks that's the best thing I ever did or I'm glad about that? Or are you more in the moment? Do you look back on your life and career and think that's when I'm, I'm most proud I did that or that was the best thing I did or, or those kind of things? Yeah, I mean, obviously, I'm the same as everybody else. I look back, and there are some things I would do differently, and there were some things I I would I'm would do the same. But certainly with music, there's nothing I would do differently. I'm really proud of all my records. I'm really proud of them. I was shocked actually because I never used to listen back to records until you know once they had been released. But uh, what I didn't tour for five years and I had to go back and tour last year. I had to listen to go back and watch all the records, listen, listen to them. I was like, holy shit, that was me. I was like, oh, my God, I was quite proud of the songs, you know. So there's yeah. nothing I've done musically that I would change. But of course, like everyone else, there there's many things in life that if I could go back and do them differently, I would. But the you know, I, um, I'm very proud of the music, but I'm also, in terms of professionally, what I'm proud of is the music, but I'm also, the Pope thing is is the thing I'm proudest of. Mm, Definitely. You should be. You know, because yeah. I, I think it's, if you have faith, then you know, see, the church itself taught me that to reject the material world. So if you have enough faith to do, I'm glad I had faith that I can go to my maker saying I had faith and if that's all I came into the world with and leave with then that's great um, and you're Muslim now but you're not a devout Muslim the same way you weren't really a devout Catholic or a devout Christian no I'm not devout at all no I mean I talk to God all day but I always did but I'm not devout I don't do the praying five times a day and I never went to mass or church in fact Jesus instructed people in the scriptures not to do so but also my local mosque unfortunately has no women's space Otherwise, I would go. I did go down there once or twice and kind of barged into one of the rooms quickly before any of the men came. <laughs> but uh, it's not really, it's not really kosher, does, if I may. Does that not bother you, um, Sinead, about the fact of certain religions, the way they treat women? And that's why I kind of don't really want to well, be part it, of it. Oh, it absolutely, it, it, it bothered me about Christianity. It bothered me about Catholicism. I mean, for fuck's sake, like, I mean, there's, there's, I mean, you know. So, you know, but people have a lot of misconceptions about Islam. It's badly represented in the media. Everybody only talks about the real fucking right wing extremists. But when you study the Quran, you see it's the most peaceful. There's nothing in there that's at all anti-women. In fact, quite the opposite. In fact, within paragraph six, it's declaring one of its reasons for existing is because the God character is raging about the practice of burying baby girls alive. You know, mm-hmm. uh, so it states from the beginning that one of the reasons God is speaking is he's angry about how women are being treated. And there's a lot of instructions in there for men as to exactly how they're to treat women. There's nothing in there. So and I can only talk about my experience. I haven't experienced any anti-women thing. The fact they've no space in my local mosque is not 
uh, for any reason other than it's actually very sweet what the guy has done. A guy has a teeny tiny apartment and it's got two bedrooms and a sitting room. He's living in the kitchen and he's given over. It's above a coffee shop. He's given over the sitting room and the two little tiny bedrooms for it to be a mosque. So it's it's he didn't mean any harm by not having a women's space. If you okay. I mean. But I've actually found completely the opposite. It's the most. It's it's. I mean, it, for I Catholicism would make you wish you had never been born a, a woman. Certainly in Ireland in the in the sixties and seventies, you know. So now I find it very um, respectful of women. Actually, you know. Okay. And when can we expect to hear your new music? Um, it won't be until next year because I'm only writing and recording now, you know, so it'll be next year at some point, probably likely towards the end of next year. And have you been enjoying being back on the road? I know it's curtailed now, but I went to see you in Vicar Street and it was just so magical. Like it's one of the best concerts I've ever been to. You're in such a magnificent voice, you know, and, and to hear you singing with, with your daughter as well. It's just really yeah. special. I uh, know I love it. I love performing. I really, really love performing. It's it's a great um, pleasure. Like to, it's it, you get to be a teenager every night. You know, <laughs> it's it's the best one ever. I love it. I I I I get very tired with with, with the American touring and all that stuff. The traveling can be hard work, but the, but it's worth it for the show. You know. Um, I've been finding singing has been helping me uh, in this time. Like I have a regular sort of singing night with my friends and right. we did it. We did it on a video conference on Friday night. And I was thinking right. it won't be the same, but we had such an amazing um, time. Like, you know, nice. I just it's wonderful to, to just sing together with people at this time. I think I'm trying to encourage more people to do it, you know. Nice. Absolutely. I love the idea that you had about the singing Aura Shidavahawala at midday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Went out on their street with all the neighbours and there was we were singing whiskey in the jar, actually, and then this older lady came out in her doorstep with a bottle of whiskey. It was so brilliant. I actually contemplated drinking whiskey yesterday morning and I don't even drink. I haven't drank since I was 18. But um, I actually contemplated <laughs> drinking in the morning. I was so bored. But I managed not to. Very good. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> is there anything else that's getting you through in terms of like, are you having nice meals together as a family and that kind of thing? Yeah, lots of Netflix, you know, <laughs> lots, lots of cigarettes, lots of coffee. You know, I guess musicians were were used to staying in. We worked from home and kind of, you know, so but to be fair, I am a bit frustrated. But you know what? I, I'm a, being a funny fish because if I could go out, I wouldn't want to go out. <laughs> it's the fact that somebody's saying I can't go out is the only reason I'm frustrated. It's the rebel. So yeah, I know yeah. I'm so lazy and I can be a bit agoraphobic sometimes as well, you know. So it's funny that I'm frustrated. But coffee and cigarettes and Netflix and yeah, looking after. I'm really enjoying spending time with my 16 year old and, and, you know, looking after him, you know. And what are you watching on Netflix? Any tips for um, our listeners? Well, I I've been watching them. Um, actually, I've been not on Netflix, but on I I have a friend who's let me sign into their American TV, and you know, there's a series called The Sinner, which is on Netflix, but it's they've got series three on my friend's American thing. So I'm watching that at the moment. I love detective shows. Okay. So I like that. And what about music for this time? Have you any recommendations that people if people are feeling they need some solace? Um, well, I've been listening to a lot of Al Green lately. I've kind of fallen madly in love with Al Green at the moment, but not necessarily the really famous songs, but he's got some beautiful romantic albums. You know, there's an album called I'm Still In Love With You, which I've been listening to a lot, and it's beautiful. So it's lovely for lovers who are stuck in together. You got to be good to me I'm gonna be good to you There's a whole lot of things you and I could do uh. There's a gorgeous track called Simply Beautiful that I've been listening to. I've just listened to it all day long. It's amazing. Well, listen, I'm going to let you go, but any last, right. minute, last final advice for for listeners, particularly women at home um, during this time? Because you're quite a wise person, I think, and you have a lot of life experience. To, well, we were to talking about the Corona beard. Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> my mom is growing a corona beard. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you can always pluck or you can always use Emax. <laughs> you know, pluck or Emax. You know, this yeah. is why this is why we must be very, very nice to our children and grandchildren because one day we're going to need them to pluck us. Yeah. <laughs> Wise words from Sinead O'Connor. Exactly. Are you in your shed, Sinead? I'm just. Checking. I'm in the cabin in the back of the garden because I smoke and I don't smoke in the house ever because I smoke so much the walls will be yellow. You know. <laughs> well, Sinead O'Connor in your cabin. We're so grateful that you can. It's your Corona cabin now, anyways. Well, well, not really. I guess my bedroom is the Corona bedroom. You know. Yeah, but the best of luck to you, and uh, right, maybe thanks. we'll check back in with you um, over the weeks to see how you're All getting right, on. Great. Thank All you right, so much, Sinead. Bye, 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 bye. That was Sinead O'Connor and that's it for today. Remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Acast and all good podcast apps. If you want to get in touch, we're on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or email us on the women's podcast at irishtimes.com. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. Until next time, thanks very much for listening. Hi, this is Bachelor Clues from Game of Roses, of course, and I want to talk about Club Med. Everybody knows Club Med has been the pioneer of the all-inclusive resort since 1950 with almost 70 resorts worldwide, ranging from beachside destinations in the Caribbean and Mexico to exotic locations like the Maldives and Morocco, or even the mountain destinations like Japan and the European Alps. Dine on delicious gourmet cuisine, enjoy more than 20 activities, and make memories with your family. For more information, visit clubmed.us or call 1-800-CLUB-MED or your travel advisor.